announce. Good morning. Today is Sunday, September 2nd, 2018. We're at the Fount Church in Fountain Valley, California, through the Bible Sunday School class, and we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes. We're not going to have a very long session today because we just fellowshiped instead. It's Labor Day weekend, and I think we can just do that. So um, I'm just going to ask you, Father, now, if you would bless the time we do spend in your word. Open the passages of Ecclesiastes to us. Show us your ways more clearly as we feast on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, probably this chapter is the most well-known chapter of Ecclesiastes. I think even um, singing groups, I can't remember the name of the group that uh, wrote a song uh, to everything, turn, turn, turn. The Doors, the Doors, yeah. Yeah. So um, everything on earth is transient, always changing. But God and his word standeth sure. And that is just such a beautiful thing that his purposes are unchangeable. We're going to look at a couple of passages in Hebrews and Acts. But it opens here for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And I'll have to tell you, this has been so meaningful to me because we get so frustrated with things. And it's okay to just sit back and say, for whatever reason, this is the season and just lean into the season because you'll never necessarily know. I mean, it's almost as if we pass judgment on God that he is an incompetent judge of what we need. We can't always know why our seasons are our seasons, but they are our seasons. So I had a season when I struggled with breast cancer. I thought that would be my life. For 10 years, I dealt with that. But now I don't. Okay, now I have new trials, new struggles. So for everything, there's a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow. Matthew Henry will make the point that a time to tear was when the Lord tore down the Jewish church because he was making way for the gospel church, which is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But that was painful to see Jerusalem destroyed. Even Josephus, I guess, tried whatever strings he had with the Roman Empire to try to prevent the destruction of that temple. It was such a beautiful Mm -hmm. temple, they said. But we know there was not one stone left upon a stone, just like Jesus had prophesied. And it was a time for tearing. And then the Lord making a new garment. Time to sew. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. I think knowing the times and sensing the times and being sensitive to them is a big help to us in this life. 
sometimes there isn't anything to say, and sometimes you have to say something. And I think this is where we, we stay in our prayer without ceasing so that we can sense what is the appropriate thing at that time. Um, between two mountains is a valley, and the Christian life is marked more by suffering than it is by joys and triumph. Mm -hmm. And we're reminded every day of that, that this is not heaven. This is not it. We try to make our life here as comfortable as we can, but it will always have an upset. And there's no way about it. People get sick. People die. People don't get accepted into colleges. People get disabled. All kinds of things will happen. And to not lose our steadfastness in Christ. Um, so back into Hebrews, a couple of passages, starting Hebrews 6, where we talk about the immutability of what God did at verse... Um, I'm going to start at 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater whom greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. That's Genesis 15. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the prop promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to re, fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. This verse is just so key for me. And we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So we have the water tossing. We have Jesus asleep in the boat. What, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? They said to him, <laughs> what? You're not perishing. Feels like you're perishing. And even if you are perishing, you have this strong encouragement to hold fast to this hope set before you. That's the hope that Pat knows now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this walk by faith and not by sight is a hard walk. There is no doubt about it. And we are so touchy-feely, show it, you know, show me, the show me state, Missouri. But sometimes we have to just grasp by faith. Mm -hmm. And when we, we don't have answers, sometimes it's okay to just not have answers. We have to do the best we can. The other passage, of course, is the whole, what they call the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. All these folks had a vision, but it said that they were held back because of us. The very end of the chapter 11 says, and all these having com been commended through their faith at 1139, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What, we have to wait for those people down the road apace? So I think one of the most meaningful books on the Christian walk is Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a book that most Christians should keep nearby their Bible because sometimes the walk just has twists and turns and things we can't understand, painful things as well as joyous things. And uh, there is a time for every season but sometimes the seasons are so difficult. Hebrews eleven thirteen says, we are strangers and exiles 
on the earth. This place is not our home. Like Abraham, he was looking for a city and God was there. And we are his offspring by faith. Remember, if we have that faith, we are, well, that comes from Romans 4. That's another great passage, Romans 4, about the faith of Abraham and how we are his offspring by faith. Let's see. Hebrews 4.16, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. It's a great passage. He says, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old when God made that promise, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith. How? As he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him weren't written for his sake alone, but for ours also. And it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus from the dead. So we are daughters and sons of Abraham in the steps of faith. Sometimes that's the only thing that can hold you up is that you have the faith. Because um, life really can serve up some stuff. Um, let's see. Hebrews 11 tells us God has prepared a city for us. Jesus told us in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Remember he said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you in my father's house are many mansions. So the good things of the earth are not certain or enduring. We cannot grasp these things because they are transient. There's only one thing that will be enduring. And it's that, that place we have with God. We have been called into his kingdom and we are descendants and offspring of Abraham. Our circumstances are for the purpose of exercising faith. To have our dependence on God tried by every chain, change that comes every season. To be trained up so that like Paul, we can say we can abound in every circumstance. There's great toil and trouble to be seen among the children of men. God never intended this world to be our place of rest and never appointed us to take our ease in it. Mm -hmm. The travail is given to us that we may be kept in action and may always have something to do for none of us were sent here to be idle. So the time for every purpose. This is what Ecclesiastes, what Solomon discovered through his seeking after wisdom. And he says, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And he has made everything beautiful in its time. Of course, that used to be a famous praise song in the beginning of the charismatic movement. In his time, in his time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. 
everything that our dear sister Pat struggled with is now made beautiful. You're not struggling with those things anymore. Now, the wisdom of God after Christ legally paid and blotted out our transitions on Calvary, why did he decide we must still suffer the curse of physical death? That is a big question, isn't it? Sometimes we think we can see glimpses of that. He could have just said, from now on, those that believe in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. We don't die, but we do put off this physical body. And that is a process whereby the physical body can't function anymore and comes by sickness or injury or whatever. And that's the hardship, and that is that fear of death. Who, Through fear of death, Scripture says, were subject to bondage all their life. So I would say that that is one of the Christian's troubles and trial is to not be overtaken by fear of death. And there isn't a one of us that doesn't hope to hope that what we believe here is the way it really is. <laughs> and if you don't have doubts, you're not human. And uh, But we know, because we have so much evidence of the resurrection of Christ historically, and we know that not we know that when Christ was transfigured, he appeared with Elijah and with Moses, and they were obviously not dead. And he said, I am the God of the living, not the God of the dead. So there was Moses back in what, 30 AD, but wasn't Moses back to 1400 BC mm-hmm. when he let the people go into the land under Joshua and then he passed. So there he was hundreds of years later talking to Jesus and Elijah too. So uh, Elijah got taken up in the fiery chariot. Enoch walked with God and then was not. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that scripture gives us a preview of coming attractions. Mm -hmm. So he didn't actually do away. For some reason, our staying in this world subject to the problems that come from sin sickness, and all the things we contend with every day. Sometimes I feel like when I want to complain that we have so many more blessings than people before us had. And when you look at the news and see how people live in third world countries and how they struggle to find clean water to drink and all the things that we take for granted every day and want more, They didn't have a Costco down the street or a Target. But anyways, we do struggle in this life, and uh, it is for a purpose. So the immutability or unchangeableness of God's character is a great strength to us, and that there's nothing, Revelation 22 says, that can be added or taken away from the Word of God. His promise stands sure. But we will be like a flower that blossoms and then fades. But the word of our God stands forever. So this is the path he has chosen for us. We'll understand it by and by, as they say. By and by. But we don't fully understand now. And it says, after he made everything beautiful in his time, it says, um, he has put eternity in man's heart. 
yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. And we so long to know. Remember the apostles asked Jesus, when will these things happen? It's not your time to know. Only only the Father knows. But he has put eternity in our heart, and it's in our heart for a reason, because we were meant for it. We were not meant to have died. That wasn't our choice, but it happened to our first parents, and we know why it happened to them. And then it continues from then. And we know that the uh, first coming of Christ dealt with what happened when the first parents sinned, and that we were all marked with sin. But now the penalty of sin has been paid for, but we all still must struggle with these things in life. So eternity's in our heart, and let's keep it there. And I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Not just a good word. Nothing better for you than to be joyful and to do good. Paul said, I've learned with whatever circumstance to be content. If you have food and clothing, be content. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. That is God's gift to man. Now, I wasn't taking so much pleasure last night at 11, (laughs) but actually it's the best thing because toil is not going to go away. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Mm -hmm. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. And that's how the Bible ends. And it's right here in Ecclesiastes. From a man we know that slid from his strongest position in God. But he did come to correct interpretations. And he saw things for what they were. And I think Solomon was a backslider that came back. I really do. So he said, "You uh, perceive whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added or taken away from it. Think of the struggles of Paul. He delineates them in one place, how many times he was flogged, stoned, treading water in the deep, imprisoned, and yet he just kept going because God put eternity in his heart and he could perceive that was nothing better for him except to be joyful and to do good. Timothy, please bring me my parchments when you come. <laughs> so whatever God does endures forever. And think about the enduring presence of Paul, what he endured and the legacy he left, and how many Christians he has encouraged along the walk because of what he wrote. So whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added or taken from it. God has done it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw unto the Son that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so does the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. 
Here he might have gotten a little too negative because uh, we are different than the beasts, but we will die like the beasts. That part is true. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work. And um, for that is his lot. And who can bring him to see what's after him? In a later chapter, he'll say at chapter 11, as you do not know, this is verse 5, that if you, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Is it okay to not understand everything? Can we live with that? That we are the created and he is the creator? and that his ways are perfect and ours are not, and that we can't understand the wisdom of certain circumstances that make no sense to us, how can you make sense of the Holocaust? Mm -hmm. Only can you make sense when you say, God knows and it is beyond me, and it is beyond me. Mm -hmm. The scripture is clear though that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Did I write down that verse? Let's see if I did. Yeah, it's in one of Paul's epistles. I'll find it for next week. I know I've mentioned other uh, times how people will turn away from God because they think God allows evil and they can't love him because they can't understand why he allows it. This is where you get to that point that God will judge all wickedness because he delays justice does not mean he is not just. So those involved in the Holocaust will have to answer for it. Mm -hmm. I love that part in Corrie ten Boom where she was out lecturing after she got out of the camp and she was at a meeting and I think somebody came forward for prayer or something and she recognized him as a German who had been involved in her captivity somehow. And she said in that moment, she did not want to deal with him. And how God met her in her heart because, you know, he's just bigger than us. And we are not the righteous judge. We think we know what's righteous, but we have to wait for God to make things right. And um, I know one thing, and I'll end there today. Um, there is a psalm that discusses this very well, Psalm 94, that he is a God of vengeance. People say, really? I thought he was a God of love. Well, he's that too, because he's so perfect in all his ways. Psalm 94. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner, the mur they murder the fatherless, and they say the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? 
He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble. We just read about that in Esther, the Feast of Purim. Until a pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. His justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Verse 17 is great. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, help me up. Verse 20, can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? We have that today. Wicked laws being put into the statutes. They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my offense. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. So his time and our time are not the same. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll end there, chapter 3. Glad we got a whole chapter in. And maybe Murray would close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and are grateful for your word. We we ask you, Lord, that that we recognize that we just live in the house, but you built the house. And so the position we... that we th- we're thankful for the gifts that you provide for us and, and that we recognize that the greatest gift that you've given to all men is, is eternity. And so this week we've become aware of that uh, once again, that uh, our time here on earth is, is uh, for to be spent striving toward being obedient to your word. We ask you now to go with us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You have been listening to Bible Study Verse by Verse with Vicki Mulak. For more of these podcasts and some resources, please go to our website at www.biblestudyvbv.org. O-R-G. That's www.biblestudy, V as in Victor, B as in boy, V as in Victor. The VBV stands for verse by verse. org, O-R-G. There you can register and contact us or just leave a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thank you. This is George Mulek.